This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I don't know about you, but travel has been on my mind lately, especially as countries are opening up their borders. I'm back to my passion of traveling the world again. Well, hopefully soon. But because I know that this has been forefront in my mind, I'm sure a lot of you have been thinking the same types of things. And I know a lot of you are thinking about how do I plan for travel? How do I do this on a budget? So I wanted to do a revisit of an episode I did with Scott Kyes from Scott's Cheap Flights. If you have been following this podcast for even two weeks, you probably know I am such a fan of Scott's Cheap Flights. And so interviewing the founder, Scott himself, it was a really fun episode that I think will answer a lot of questions for those of you that do want to travel. So let's go ahead and do a little bit of a flashback or revisit to one of my favorite episodes. The other day I was driving and I was looking around and saw so many now hiring signs literally everywhere. Like every single building had a now hiring sign. And it immediately made me think how difficult it might be as a company trying to find the right person to come work for your company when literally everybody's hiring. So how do you stand out and how do you find the right candidates? And that's why I'm so excited to partner with Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. You can get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. You only pay for candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews all from your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately and Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests and then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash money nerds. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com slash money nerds. Indeed.com slash money nerds offer is valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions do apply. Best of luck with your candidate search. Now let's get back to the show. Thank you guys so much for joining in for another episode of the podcast. Today, I am joined by Scott from Scott's Cheap Flights. 
And if you guys have been listening to the podcast or following my blog, you know that I've discovered... Scott, I think I discovered your stuff back in like November. And ever since then, I was like, holy crap, where has this been all my life? (laughs) So I kind of fell in love with the product. And we're going to chat a little bit about travel and business and all things related to that tonight. Awesome. I'm excited. Let's do it. Yeah. Can you give everybody just like a quick background of like who you are, what you do, that kind of fun stuff? Yeah. So uh, my name is Scott Kyes. I live out in Fort Collins, Colorado, and I run Scott's Cheap Flights, which is a startup I founded about, who gosh, about 18 months ago. But, you know, it's always a slightly more complicated story than just 18 months ago. Um, But it's been running about 18 months now. And uh, what Scott's Cheap Flights does is I spend all day, every day, searching for flights because I have no life and that's what I love to do. <laughs> and when I find a really good fare, uh, you know, like earlier today found fares to Paris, Amsterdam, London from basically all over the U S for about 400 bucks round trip. When I find those, I send them out to people who are subscribed to the list and, you know, with instructions on, all right, here's when it's available. Here's the airline, here's how to book it. You know, here's a link to uh, where you can find the fares. And yeah, that. That's how Scott's Cheap Flights works, um, and I love it. I love doing it. I love being, helping be able be able to get uh, flights that they didn't think they might be able to afford, and, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So that's one of the things that when I discovered I, – and I wish I remember how I found out about you. I, I can't remember what it was. But that's a shame. I'd actually be curious. I know. <laughs> and I was thinking about that because I know as a business owner, it's really kind of important to know where people hear about you and find you. Yeah. But that was um, that was kind of one of the things that I didn't realize was how often you can find amazing deals on flights. Like I thought mm. that was whenever I heard that, I'm like, oh, they're either credit card hacking or it's some type mm-hmm. of like fluke or mm-hmm. whatever. But it's actually a lot more common than I expected. Yeah. Ditto. Um and and one thing I think that is kind of serendipitous about this is we're right now we're living in the golden age of cheap flights. Like flights have never been as affordable to Asia, to Europe, you know, elsewhere in the world mm-hmm. as they are today. And you know there are a number of reasons for that. We we can get into that uh, if you'd like. But the main mm-hmm. the, but the main thing is that. It's, I'm, I, I kind of lucked out in that, you know, I always enjoyed really searching for cheap flights and it just sort of also was lucky timing that as Scott's cheap flights is ramping up. So I've got a puppy here who's very intent on catching her tail. <laughs> um, uh, as Scott's cheap flights was ramping up, uh, that's just when sort of flight prices were starting to come down and be much more affordable and that the airlines would have much more of these sort of unadvertised sales or mistake mm-hmm. fares or ways to be able to travel, you know, across the ocean for 300, 400 bucks round trip in a way that didn't exist five years ago. Just, you know, just like, like five years ago, you know, a really good fare to, um, to, you know, Europe or Asia or wherever would have been about, I don't know, 700, 800 bucks. And nowadays it's, you know, 400, 500 max. So, yeah. So yeah, I, I was lucky enough lucky to timing. get, uh, I think it was the notification you sent out about all of the crazy Europe stuff that happened November, December. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Italy from that trip. Awesome. Oh, it was Where'd amazing. You go? We, well, we flew into Venice and okay. then took a hopper flight over to Rome after a couple of days in Venice. Mm-hmm. God, it was cool. Yeah. That's such a, like, one of those countries that it's both highly rated and still somehow underrated. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, big fan of Italy. Yeah, I, I kind of was too. So let's go back a little ways because the business has been running for officially 18 months. I know it's probably like little things here and there, but mm-hmm. what did you, did you go to college? Did you study something in college that led you to where you are today or how, how did that transition happen? Yeah. Uh, so I took the most sort of natural direct path towards uh, a cheap flight entrepreneurialism in that I went to school and studied political science and then got a, and then got a degree <laughs> in journalism and started working in that, uh, you know, just a direct path to cheap flights. Uh, no, so I, I, I um, grew up in Ohio, uh, uh, got my degree over at Stanford in California. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I always knew I loved politics. Like that was what I was really interested in and also enjoyed writing. And so, um, you know, graduated, degree in political science, decided, okay, you know, journalism seems like a good intersection of politics and writing. Moved out to D.C. and ended up working as a political journalist for about four or five years. Um, uh, As, you know, luck would have it, my job in in journalism entailed a lot of travel. Uh, I'd go to different, you know, political rallies and campaign events and conferences and stuff like that. And so I started to get more and more interested in the sort of cheap flight world, uh, figuring out, you know, how can I... Like I knew I was never going to be, you know, like super wealthy. And so how could I sort of combine the fact that I didn't have this massive bank account, but I also wanted to travel a lot. And so that sort of spurred my interest in how can I uh, hack the system a little bit, get better at finding cheap flights, be able to travel the world without, you know, liquidating my bank account. Mm -hmm. Uh, So kind of over the years, I started to get really good, for instance, at frequent flyer miles, at credit card churning, which you mentioned. But this kind of also necessarily spurned an interest in finding cheap flights uh, as well, you know, for those times when you're not using points, when you're not using miles. You know, most folks are not mm-hmm. interested in, like, opening up credit cards, dealing with frequent flyer miles, stuff like that. It's a purposefully kind of complex and opaque world. Most folks are just like, look, if I'm going to go somewhere, I'll just buy a ticket. And so... I kind of took it as a challenge on myself, like, okay, you know, if, look, if you're going to figure out, if you want to go somewhere and need to buy a ticket for that, what are all the steps that you can do to try to make sure that you're getting the best price possible for that flight? So I ended up like, uh, uh, um, yada, 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 and here a little bit, but ended up moving over to Mexico, uh, in 2014 down there, had a, had a bunch of free time, ended up writing a short little ebook called how to find cheap flights, detailed like a lot of the sort of strategies that I take when I'm trying to find, uh, uh, cheap flights. And then, um, I made this little email list where, you know, this is uh, uh, back in actually started in 2013 when I took the best cheap flight I ever got in my life, which is 130 bucks round trip between New York and Milan. Holy um, crap. I know. It was, it was amazing. And it was one of those, you know, I didn't even know I wanted to go to Milan. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I saw that price, like, I can't Going not to go Milan. That price. <laughs> Yeah, I have to, I have to. So I get back from this trip, you know, and all my friends are like, hey, Scott, you know, you got to let me know next time you find one of those fairs so I can get in on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, rather than trying to remember, okay, I need to tell George, I need to tell Jeff, I need to tell Sarah, you know, it's just like, okay, let me make a little email list so I can tell everybody at once. So, you know, just a little kind of free email list on MailChimp, Mm -hmm. nothing big. That ended up kind of naturally growing over a year, year and a half or so, maybe had like three or 400 people, um, eventually ended up getting big enough that I, I sort of had a, 
crisis tunity on my li- on my lap. Like yeah. you know, I, it it got to about five thousand people, where all of a sudden I was having to start paying hosting costs for this. I was realizing like, okay, you know, I enjoyed sending these deals to my friends, but like, did I really want to pay for that privilege? Surfing around, okay, you know, but at the same time, I have five thousand people on this. List. Like, is there sort of a business opportunity here? Is there something that I can sort of ramp up? So it was around then that Scott's Cheap Flights was born in, in, in more or less the same sort of uh, uh, arc that it is now, where I'd you know, find deals, send them out. Ended up creating uh, a freemium model. So there's both a free list and a premium paid list. Um, you know, for most folks are on the free list, but some people who want uh, more deals or more tailored deals, stuff like that, uh, end up going, going on to the premium list. And... Uh, was doing that sort of just as a side hustle, to be honest, for about six months, uh, still doing freelance journalism, was covering politics, covering uh, the marijuana industry out here in Colorado, like you name it. And then uh, uh, ended up growing big enough that in just about a year ago, I decided to I always temporarily close the book on my journalism career and devote myself full time to cheap flights. So there's my sort of long-winded history of, I love of, it. of Scott, Scott Kaiser's life. I love that. I think it's so cool. So you outgrew MailChimp. You had to either start charging or paying out of your pocket. And you're like, um, exactly. got to figure something out because this is not going to mm-hmm. work. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is so cool. Yeah, I think sometimes that's the, the way a lot of businesses turn out. Did you ever foresee yourself working like for yourself, being an entrepreneur, doing this on your yeah. own? No, no, I, I have no business background. Like I, uh, I never expected it. Even, you know, even when I started it, I just, my goal was basically just to recoup my costs, you know, so I was charging two bucks a month to be, uh, starting out like, and I didn't know if I'd get the, you know, 25 people that was needed just to recall recoup the like server costs. Uh, it ended up working out and, and, and like with a lot of kind of strokes of luck, things have, have, have gone well, but no, it was never sort of an intentional thing. I don't know like what I would have done differently, if anything, if I mm-hmm. did have a business background, but I guess, you know, I'm in that sort of blissfully ignorant stage where I don't know what I don't know, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Totally. Uh, so I just sort of figure it out as I go along and, and, and so far so good. I think that's the best way to go. Sometimes if you, like I have a, I, my undergrad was in accounting and I have my mm-hmm. master's in business. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways that actually hurts entrepreneurs because you you have so much knowledge that you're like, okay, well, it's got to be like this first and I've got to get this mm-hmm. iteration done. And mm-hmm. so it kind of slows you down from actually launching. So I think that was a, a good background. Yeah, there, uh, there can be definitely a tendency towards paralysis by analysis and, and not just like, you know, like, all right, fuck it, let's just do it. Yep. Um, yeah, so... No, I'm totally lucked, with out, you. lucked out that I just sort of decided to throw caution in the wind and, and figure it out as I went along. So tell me about the first time you sent that email asking people to pay. Uh-huh. Were you scared shitless? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, especially for two reasons. One, because um, you have no idea if anybody is willing to pay just in general. But two, there's the added difficulty that, you know, just from a like psychological standpoint, people tend to have difficulty being willing to pay for things that they previously got for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, knowing that, uh, sort of cognizant in my mind, like, man, it's going to be kind of difficult to convince these people to try to 
pay for this thing that they used to get free, which is which is a big reason why I went with this freemium model that I decided, you know, look, I can people can still stay there. They can still be getting these free deals. But, you know, I'll create I'll rather than changing the experience so much for the people that were already getting these deals for free, I'm just going to create a new sort of enhanced premium level that, you know, they can pay to get on if they want to. And, you know, early on, like one of the nice things about this type of business is that it took basically zero investment. You know, I didn't have to like buy a bunch of inventory. I don't have like infrastructure. It was literally just me on my computer in a coffee shop, you know, one random afternoon. And, so by doing it that way, I, I ended up taking on very little risk. And so this, you know, this early sort of having this early test group of 5,000 people was like pitching, okay, you know, is anybody like, I'm going to launch this premium version, two bucks a month, who's in? I was sort of gauging at this point, you know, how much interest is there in this? Like, is this something like, like I had no idea at that point that it was going to grow to what it is today. But at that point, you know, I was just trying to figure out, A, can I get 25 people to pay two bucks a month? And, you know, I mean, that was basically, that was the only sort of benchmark at that point. And then once I figured out that, yes, there is that interest and like, like in addition to that, there ended up being way more interest than I expected I think that was sort of the very sort of early first clue that there might, um, there might be something here. Like it's, it, you know, seeing the numbers today and seeing what it's become, it, it, it sort of feels silly in retrospect that I like had these doubts in my mind. Like, hmm, are people actually interested in cheap flights? Like, is that something that people are actually like <laughs> want? But you know, like the, this type of thing didn't really like it, I don't want to, I don't want to over aggrandize myself, but like this type of sort of cheap flight mm-hmm. paid email list, it's not something that, that really existed before. And so I didn't have something that I could point to and be like, Oh yeah, you know, Johnny did it over there and it worked well. And so like, I, I have reasonable confidence that I could pull it off as well. Um, yeah, it was just, it's sort of trailblazing to a certain extent and, and seeing if there was interest there and turns out there was. Yeah, well, because it seems like the the alternatives to what you were doing would be like Priceline, Expedia, Kayak. So the very like standard ones that aren't bad, but they're not the same level of deals. Like it's just, it's limited. Yeah, well, and I almost think of it as a, as a category shift in a way because mm-hmm. um, so every once in a while someone will sign up for the list and then they'll be a little bit surprised, you know, after a few weeks or stuff, the emails, the guy, wait, wait a second, Scott, you're just sending me links to deal to searches on Google flights that, you know, I could have like gone and searched for that myself. Mm-hmm. And I tell them like, yes, absolutely. You definitely can. You know, if you want to spend six to 10 hours a day searching for these flights and uh, many of which only last, you know, a few hours at a time, like the best deals don't don't last very long. They last, you know, two, three, maybe four hours at most like that, that $130 flight to Milan that was gone after three hours. So, you know, finding out about those early while they still exist is the key to be able to book those. So I figure, you know, that is as much the service I'm providing is kind of keeping a really close monitor on these things. So when they pop up, I can be this sort of early alert system for, for all the subscribers. Uh, I almost liken it. The other thing too, is I liken it to uh, restaurants, you know, everybody knows how to cook, 
but that doesn't mean that the restaurant industry shouldn't exist. Like people don't always want to spend all their time cooking. You know, people don't always want to spend all their time on kayak or Google flights. They'd rather pay a couple bucks a month to somebody like me who will do it for them and then let them know when these really, really great deals pop up. Yep. And I'm one of those people too. So like when I first signed up, I did the free version primarily because I knew about Google flights and I'd been searching it myself and found some great deals, mm-hmm. but it was, it's that time saving. Yeah. Could I do it? Sure. Would I get fired from my job? Probably. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, probably shouldn't do this, but yeah, it, yeah. it's kind of that, that, that the time savings. That, that, that's right. And, and, you know, and, and actually I, I encourage most folks who do sign up, uh, again, with the freemium model, I, I, I like to tell people first, you know, sign up for the, do the free list for a little bit, mm-hmm. get a sense of how it works. Cause I think there's a little bit of misconception sometimes about how it works. They think, you know, Oh, you know, I signed up. Where do I start searching for flights? You know, thinking it's like a, like kayak where they put in their information or stuff like that. And I tell you, you know, sign up for the free list a little bit, get a, get, start getting some alerts and then sort of get a sense of how it operates and then decide, you know, look, do I, do I, am I wanting more of these deals? Do I want to be able to narrow it down? So I'm getting alerts just for my own particular airports rather than entire regions, stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, kind of get, uh, uh, I figure it's better to walk before you run, you know, get it. Why not get a free sample first and then see if it's right for you. I think one of the things that surprised me most about the whole subscription, and then I know, like, we'll chat about the business a little bit more, and then we'll get into some fun travel stuff, but yeah. one of the things that was so shocking to me is I'm in email marketing, I do content marketing, blogging, mm-hmm. all of that stuff, and mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for people to say, hey, sign up for this free whatever it is, and then you bombard them with emails, and you're like, eh, maybe I didn't really want that, mm. but your emails are like, that's all it is. <laughs> and so when I saw that, I'm like, oh, he wasn't joking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And, and you know, I'm not the only person in the world to be like, I'm not the only cheap flight site in the world. There are other ones, you know, there's airfare watchdog, other places, but the difference is ever, you know, all these businesses have to make their money one way or another. Right. And so the difference is airfare watchdog for instance, or, or, or some of these other sites makes their money largely through commissions. Mm-hmm. So they get, they have affiliate links where, you know, if you book the flight or book, you know, a car rental or hotel or something via one of their links, they get a cut of that. The reason why I, you know, and, and that's a model that I considered when mm-hmm. I was starting out, but the reason why, um, I'm really glad I ended up going with this freemium model is I think there's a level of trust that gets built up between myself and the subscribers where they feel like, okay, look, I paid uh, this guy some money and now I can trust that he is going to send me deals he legitimately thinks is good because he, you know, I don't take any affiliate commissions. I don't take any fees, anything like that. So I don't have any ulterior motive. I don't have any perverse incentive to send be, you know, pimping deals that are not very good just because like I would make some money from that. Like, I figure I'd rather have people pay me a little bit of money in subscription fee, and then they can actually trust that all the deals that I send out are legitimately really good. And that, you know, because for instance, not most people don't, again, spend all their day searching for flights. And so they don't know like necessarily what, what's a normal price from Dallas to Rome or what's a normal price from like LA to Tokyo. Like, like I could rattle those off all day because that's my job, (laughs) but most people don't, don't, you know, that's not their job. And so they, 
because airfare is such a weird industry where it's constantly changing. Like people don't know, you know, it's, is $750 a good flight from LA to Tokyo is 800 bucks. A good flight from Dal- uh, price for Dallas to, to Rome. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. very opaque. So building that level of trust, I think is really key towards the way, like I like to operate because I can tell people, look, here's what I consider to be the normal price. Mm-hmm. And here's what the fare are here. And that's why I'm sending it to you, you know, cause it's not like, 50 bucks better than usual or so is like 300 bucks, you know, 400 bucks better than usual. Yeah. It's, it's pretty significant. And that's, I'm a little tainted now because I've been seeing all these really great deals. So I really, this is going to sound terrible. I don't think I could ever spend more than 700 or $800 for a flight anymore. I, oh, I'm like, the same you, way. You ruined me, man. You ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. You know, and, 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 and I think that's the way to approach it. You know, look, if you're uh, not to go off on too far of a tangent here, but like, and not to get too philosophical, but the way that most people think about travel is a three-step process. First, they decide where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Second, they decide when they want to go. And then third, they look at the prices for that. And, you know, whatever the price is, they're like, oh, you know, it's 800 bucks. Like, all right, whatever, I guess I'll pay it. Mm-hmm. But if you're someone like me or someone like you who really values getting those cheap flights, you know, not, not spending all their savings on just getting there, mm-hmm. I like to flip that order, actually. So first, you figure out where are their cheap flights departing your city. Then second, you decide, you know, where is it going? Am I interested in that place? And then, you know, kind of second and third, do the dates work for me? Like, can I, you know, take off some time from work during, like, when there's cheap flights available on that? And if that's, you know, if you go that route, you end up getting the flights for $400, where if you decided your location and your dates first, you end up, you know, paying whatever it costs for that for those particular dates. Usually, eight hundred, nine hundred bucks or more. It's crazy. I, I think too, if you do it that way, and I'm right there with you. I don't actually location or destination shop anymore. It's more like, hey, what's a good deal, and does it work for my my work schedule? Can I get away this weekend? Whatever it might be. Um, yeah, it's kind of an exciting thing too. Yeah, well, it, it it takes an open mind a little bit because you have to, you know. I'm one of those people who basically would want to go anywhere, like yeah. anywhere in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm game to travel to like, I'm, I'd love to be able to visit. And so, uh, uh, because I have that flexibility, then it makes it a lot easier. You know, when a really good deal pops up to Peru or really good deal pops up to South Africa, mm-hmm. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll jump on that. Like, why, you know, I want to go there. Like, and, and then, you know, you have the patience to be able to wait for good deal to, you know, I've never been to Paris. Like I, I like I'll get there someday, but I just haven't seen like the price to get me there on you know mm-hmm. in a sort of when I'm ready to take a trip and stuff like that. You know, like I know I'll get there, and I know that the, the uh, it's a place that cheap flights frequently pop up to. But uh, I've just had other places that I've kind of prioritized because it's been, excuse me, really like much cheaper than usual to get to like. I was in Japan last week, for instance. So um, cool. What part? Uh, we're in Osaka and Kyoto. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I keep looking to the left here because I have a map up on the wall. And I, I, it helps me, <laughs> I was helps wondering, me, like, what like, are you looking at, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we're in Osaka and Kyoto for about four days or so. We did, flew out for a day, hung out in Japan for four days, ate a ton of sushi, oh. came back. It was great. I love that. And I think it's cool too, because 
aside from like the cheap travel, you've built a life that allows you to have that flexibility and that freedom. And so I think that that's super cool. That seems like that's everybody's dream, but you took a very simple approach to it. You didn't overcomplicate it. You didn't get nerdy into sales funnels and email marketing and Facebook ads and all that crap. Like you're just like, Hey, let me just share what I like. Yeah. I think that's super cool. It, 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 I definitely got very lucky in turning this sort of weird, quirky habit of mine into a, a profitable business. I think a lot of people can, though. I, I really do believe that. So the the side hustler in me is like, you, anybody has some type of unique passion. And if you mm. put yourself out there and you don't wait for it to be perfect, you'll find your peeps. Like, you'll get your audience. It, it'll come. But you have to just take that first step. Mm. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think the tough part can be a lot of times like figuring out that creativity to turn what you're interested in, you know, into a side hustle if you want to. Um, because, you know, again, I don't come with a like a big business background. I didn't like come in like, oh, I need to create a business and then let me figure out how I can do it. Like, I just like searching for cheap flights you know, just tested out my friends for a year or two and then sort of kind of fell ass backwards into, into actually making it into a business. But one that, again, back to the creativity thing, one that like there wasn't a really obvious, easy model for to base it off of, you know, like this type of thing wasn't like well established. And so I lucked out in a way to have kind of uh, 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 figured it out piece by piece, but it definitely wasn't sort of a, a, a grand plan or, or an intentional thing. No, no. Well, I'm glad it worked out too. Cause I, I get so much value from your service. You saved me a lot of hours. Well, thank no you. joke. <laughs> I like to hear that. <laughs> no, for sure. It's true. So let's start talking about some travel tips, hacks, that kind of fun stuff. So first question yeah. is where is your favorite trip so far? And I know that's super hard, mm. but if you had to pick mm. just one. Favorite trip that I've taken. Can I look at the map? Yeah. Um, honestly, I love Mexico. Do I you? mean, I and I and I'll preface that with saying I I haven't been to Cancun or Cabo, so I don't know like those areas nearly as well. Mm-hmm. But I spent a lot of time in different other parts of Mexico. From, you know, I lived down in Oaxaca and did uh, a bunch of road tripping down in kind of the southern half of Mexico, been to Mexico City three or four times, um, Puerto Vallarta, other other parts of Mexico. It is, I mean, not only, you know, in addition to like the food is obviously incredible, but it's yeah. such an incredibly, like the, nat- people don't realize how much natural beauty there is. And like, it, like there is a, for instance, a canyon down in southern Mexico called Sumadero that is like, think of a, think of the Grand Canyon except turn it green and then think that there's water running through it that you can like take a boat trip through. Oh, and sweet. that's Sumadero Canyon. It's an incredible. Oh yeah. And they're also like, uh, crocodiles like on the banks and stuff. Oh, not sweet. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're in, a, you're, you're in a, a big enough boat though. Yeah, okay, um, okay. <laughs> you're in a raft with all the crocodiles. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not like, not quite like that. Um, like there are all sorts of crazy little, I think gems and pockets. I uh, I would predict that you know in the next ten twenty years Mexico is going to blow up as a like tr- not only as a tourist destination but also people are going to sort of get out of the 
Cancun Cabo mold and more towards the diversity of the country. You realize, you know, like in the same way that, you know, you, nobody would think like Florida, like, like that Miami is the same as Seattle or that, you know, Dallas is the same as New York. It's the same. It's the absolute same thing with Mexico. It's a massive country, huge regional differences. I mean, both in in food and landscape, everything else. So I just, I, I, I have nothing but great things to say about that country. I always love being able to visit. That's good to know. I'll have to check that out because for, for us, I live in Boise, Idaho. And so getting out of the Boise airport is, it's notoriously amazing. It's just great. <laughs> there's there's nothing going on there. It's actually pretty crappy. But yeah. I, I find that if I drive to like Salt Lake or take a hopper flight to LA, I can usually find some pretty good deals. But yeah. for us, Mexico's really reasonable. Like we hmm. can probably 350 round trip typically. I think that's Not reasonable. Bad at all. But Not bad at all. yeah, so I it's just I I never take advantage of that and I wish I did more. Um, yeah, you know, and it's right there. Like, it, know. It, you know, it takes just like a couple hours to get down to. But you know, you're in a whole new world. Like, it's it's it it. Again, I preface this saying I haven't been to Cancun and Cabo, so I can't speak too much to those places. But like, you go to Puerto Vallarta, you go to Mexico City, you go to Oaxaca. It, it you can tell you're not in the U.S. anymore. Like, it's very apparent. And 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 for a lot of people like me, that's really energizing. You know, that's really fun and interesting. Like, wow, this is going to be an adventure. Like I'm so excited to check out this new place. Heck yeah. So one weird side note, this is totally off subject, but we're going to go there anyway. Um, I recently went to a conference in San Diego and Mm -hmm. it was so fascinating. So every time I travel, I always take Uber as much as I can. You, You get a lot of interesting people that will share weird stories and tell you about like what's going on in the city that nobody really talks about. Uh-huh. And this one person was telling me that the trend is people are moving down to Mexico because it's like a 30-minute car ride for them. And okay. so it's too expensive to live in San Diego. So there's this huge community mm. right on the border of people that are like having these amazing houses and living in Mexico. And mm. so I thought that was such a like weird trend going on. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I, I've heard little inklings of, uh, of that. Um of people who like both live south of the border, but then literally mm-hmm. commute up to work. Um, it seems like, like difficult to me to predict the border crossing times, but yeah. you know, obviously they know it a lot better than I would. But um, in terms of that overall trend though, I thought, I know that's much, that's gaining a lot of popularity, especially among Americans these days is that sort of uh to put a really fancy term on it, geographical arbitrage, where they're living in a low cost part of the world. So living in, you know, Mexico, living in Panama, living in Ecuador, living in Peru, but working remotely. So, you know, they're, they have a, a, you know, web tech job. They have a Disney, you know, an online design job. They have a writing job, something that can be done, you know, that you don't have to sort of physically be there for. Mm-hmm. So they're earning us dollars that end up going way further in these other countries. And especially where the cost of living is so low, um, you know, just as a way of, of, of stretching your paycheck that much more. No, I think it's a it's a good way to go too. If you, if you can swing it and you have the lifestyle that allows for that, I mean, where else can you go that you're going to learn about culture? You're going to be able to bank up some money and get to explore. And it, it, I don't know. To me, that's like a, a duh. Do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm right there with you. Okay, so you travel quite a bit. How many times a year would you say you travel now? Ooh, um, I would guess we 
my fiance and I take about four international trips a year, give or take, uh, and then probably three or four domestic, um, you know, we're, we're, I just turned 30. So right in the sort of wedding, wedding age. And so a lot of that, those domestic trip nowadays are going to weddings in different parts of the country. But <laughs> yeah, probably, I mean, I we're very lucky both that I have flexibility in my job that uh, she has a lot of flexibility in her job that we can take time off to be able to do that. Um, you know, much more than the like two weeks a year or so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, try to do as, as much as we can, both because we love it and, um, it also kind of makes being coming home nice too. You know, it doesn't, it, uh, it doesn't get nearly as boring being home when you're here less often. So damn true. I, where did I go recently? So the Italy trip, I was ready to be home, but this spring, uh, my fiance and I, we jumped on the Santorini deal. Mm, so we're awesome. doing that over, um, like 16 days is actually when we leave. So was the Italy deal and the Santorini deal, were those both out of Boise? No, um, the Italy deal was, and okay. so that one ended up being, it was crazy, $432 round trip from Boise. Wow, out of Boise, out that's of amazing. Bo- I know, I was like, what the hell, this is amazing. <laughs> the Santorini one, I think, was a little bit less than 500 and that was uh-huh. flying out of San Jose, California. Okay, not too bad. So not it was like a, it was an additional one eighty or two hundred to do the hopper fly there. <laughs> so ended up being a little bit more expensive, but yeah, but I mean, still like I mean, yeah, like I would expect to pay from Boise to Santorini maybe fourteen hundred at least uh, for you know typical flights. Yep, you're you're spot on. That's exactly what it was. So I was kind of shocked well, about that. Um, okay, so let's start talking travel hacks. So do you have any specific tips aside from signing up from Scott's Cheap Flights, which I think mm-hmm. everybody should do and do the paid version because you're going to want it, I promise. Mm-hmm. But what are some travel hacks that people can start implementing in their lives? Mm. Good travel hacks in terms of like flight searching? Sure. Or, let's do like or flights or even like suitcase packing or anything oh, that man. you want. Okay. Um one very easy travel hack that I'll mention just off the uh, just off the get go is uh, credit card and frequent flyer miles. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to preface this with saying that I was six years ago. I was the world's biggest skeptic of frequent flyer miles. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't have like thought less of them. I figured, you know, look, the airlines made these. It's clearly some sort of marketing scam for them because if they were losing money on, you know, if, if I figured, you know, it was a, uh, a zero sum game. And mm-hmm. so if, if we were, you know, if we were coming out ahead and they're coming out behind and if they were coming out behind then they wouldn't do it. So why would I, why would I start to engage with frequent flyer miles? And what I realized is that ended up realizing is that's true as a whole, but that doesn't mean that you as an individual can't become a winner in the sort of frequent flyer mile game. And, uh, so what I ended up doing was I had banked, um, just from traveling back and forth to college had banked about 50,000 American miles or so just, you know, that had lying around. Uh, and this is 2010, 2011 or so. I had a friend who was, uh, had a Fulbright down in the Galapagos islands. And I decided I wanted to go visit her there, you know, cause of hell yeah, it's the Galapagos islands. Heck yeah. Uh, so I was looking at flight prices and it was $1,600. And I was like, that's $1,600 I don't have. Yeah. So then I remembered, Oh snap, I have 
all these American Airlines miles. Let me see if I can get an award ticket. You know, I'd never done that before. Uh, went online. Lo and behold, yes, I could. There were, it was there for 30,000 miles round trip from D.C. to the Galapagos Islands. And so, you know, I booked it and then went to the airport and everything. I Even as I was, like, going, like, walking down the trap bridge, I still feel like, hmm, there must be some sort of catch here. Like, they're <laughs> going to ask, you know, I get to my seat and they're going to, like, ask me for another $200 or something like that. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, I got back to the U.S. after this amazing trip to the Galapagos Islands that I realized, like, wow, there wasn't a catch. Like, I actually took this trip that would have cost $1,600 and all it cost was 30,000 American Airlines miles. And so that sort of like birthed my interest in frequent flyer miles. And where I realized is like the vast majority of frequent flyer miles nowadays, you don't get it actually from flying. Like that's the, that's the kind of sucker's route to getting mm-hmm. frequent flyer miles. The way you get it is through these massive credit card signup bonuses. So a lot of credit cards offer you 50,000, 75,000, a hundred thousand miles just for signing up. Um, and, it's the type of thing that I've been doing now for a number of years. And basically all my frequent flyer miles come from these. And this, it's one of the reasons why I'm able to travel so much because I'm not, you know, paying out of pocket for it. But, um, it's the type of thing that I was like to tell people, you know, you got, you take it one at a time, like don't, you know, go and open five cards and then like, you know, end up with a, a rough credit history or anything like do one, you know, sort of meet the minimum, you have to do a minimum spending threshold to say it's like, you know, you spend $2,000 in three months on the card and then you get your, your, uh, bonus miles, do that, get the miles, take your trip, you know, take that free trip to, to the Caribbean, take that free trip to Europe, wherever, come back, see for yourself that it wasn't a scam. See for yourself that your credit score not only is not ruined, but probably a little bit better for having done it and, and see for yourself that, you know, that you could handle it responsibly and then start to think about like, Hey, you know, is this something that I'm interested in doing more? Mm-hmm. So that's one sort of, I think, well known, but slightly underappreciated travel hack. Yeah. Um, most people have a, a sort of healthy skepticism of frequent of credit cards, especially after the financial crisis. And I totally get that. But because people have this skepticism, the banks therefore have to be that much more generous in trying to entice people to come sign up. And that's why they're offering 75,000, 100,000 miles just for you know, signing up, meeting this spending threshold. And so if you're someone who can handle that responsibly and do that well, then it's like your, you know, other people's loss is your gain. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the biggest thing that I recommend to folks. Um, other sorts of travel hacks that I recommend in general, um, uh, I don't recommend being a jerk about it, but I think that uh, most people don't realize that when something goes wrong with your flight, you know, let's say there's a two-hour delay and it was, uh, be, you know, not because of like a thunderstorm, but because of a mechanical issue, because mm-hmm. like pilot showed up late, whatever reason, you're entitled to compensation for that. You know, you don't have to just be like, yeah. So, and so you, you know, you're taking American Airlines flight. There's a mechanical delay you're backed up two hours. You just go on AA.com. You go to their contact, you write them like, Hey, you know, I, I had this two hour delay because of mechanical thing, you know, especially like I, you know, missed this flight or, or I missed this meeting, yada, yada, yada. Like I've gotten, you know, 500, 750 bucks at a time for just 
you know, obviously it depends on yeah. the actual situation, but, um, both anything from like a delay to like, um, sometimes, you know, I'm on international flight and like the TV on the seat back doesn't work. Yeah. Like, again, you know, don't be, don't be petty. Don't be a jerk. But like, if something legitimately doesn't go well, that, that, you know, inhibited your travel experience, by all means, let them know you can get compensation for it. Um, uh, that's a good one, actually. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it can be, it can be pretty useful. Um, the, uh, yeah, and, and and ditto actually with credit cards. Um, like a lot of times when you buy a flight, uh, and if there's a big delay, if you lose your luggage, and or even if there's a delay in your luggage, like you know they lost it, they'll deliver it a day or two later. A lot of times, not only are the airlines uh, uh, entitled to like like pay for you know if you have to get new clothes, if you have to get toiletries, stuff like that. But a lot of times your credit card will also have sort of protections for those types of things that they will give you um, you know, X amount of dollars per day or X amount of reimbursement. Um, you know, ditto with like rental car insurance that you don't have to like buy it extra, that you don't even have to even if you have auto insurance of your own that the, some credit cards actually have primary auto insurance on that. A lot of these sort of like little little sort of in the weeds perks on the, on the credit cards that they don't like to, um, hype up too much cause they don't want people to take too much advantage of them, mm-hmm. but they're there and they can, they can, they can be really valuable, especially when you're in kind of a tight situation like that. That's kind of sweet. Do you actually have a, like, is there one card that is your go-to? Uh, my favorite one's the Chase Sapphire Preferred. I've heard that a lot. Uh, yep. Yeah. So it, this is like, there's, there are two Chase Sapphires, the, the Preferred and the Reserve. The Reserve is a relatively new one, get, got a lot of hype. Um, the reason why I don't think that one is right for most people is that it has a $450 annual fee. Yeah, it's massive. Which is it's way more than I would want to pay for. Uh, I don't like paying any annual fee for a credit card. Um, <laughs> no, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, but it, you know, there are a number of reasons there are a number of perks on the card and credits and stuff that make up for that annual fee, but, but let's, let's, let's set that aside for mm-hmm. now. The reason why I like the Chase Sapphire Preferred is, A, it has a lot of the best protections, like I just talked about, in terms of uh, uh, auto insurance, you know, rental car insurance, in terms of, like, delayed luggage insurance, a lot of great travel protections like that. Uh, it also gives you 50,000 chase points, which are really nice because those convert to a number of different airlines, so it converts to not only United, but it converts to Southwest. If you're mm-hmm. traveling domestically, it converts to um, Korean Air, which most people wouldn't think to use, but actually has the best redemption value if you're flying to Hawaii. No like, kidding. Yeah, if you're flying to Hawaii, it costs you 45,000 United miles, but mm-hmm. just 25,000 Korean Air miles. Damn. Um, yeah, so like that 50,000 you know, chase point is enough for two people to fly round trip to Hawaii. Wow. Just like that. Um, so yeah. And and the other great thing about the Chase Sapphire Preferred is, uh, they waive the annual fee for the first year. Um, after, you know, what I recommend folks again, because I don't like paying annual fees is you set a calendar reminder 11 months down after you open the card, you know, at that point you call them, be like, Hey, I've been a great customer. Uh, you know, can you like, like I've always paid my bills on time. Can you waive the annual fee for the next year? Sometimes they will. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll offer like a retention offer and said like, no, we can't waive it, but we can 
give you a hundred dollar credit, you know, if you use it five times in the next month. Uh, and then only if they're like, you know, no, we can't do that. Then maybe I'll downgrade it to a no fee card or something. So I don't end up having to pay an annual fee. There are a lot of ways to get around it. Uh, but yeah, the chase software preferred is probably my favorite sort of all purpose card that I think is, um, the best for, for most folks. So this is so funny. My fiance has that card. I do not use credit cards. So that's just me personally. Yeah. Yeah. So he does the, the credit card stuff and it works. And you know, it's like, if you have the type of personality where you can do that, heck yeah, do it. If you're fiscally responsible, you're not like racking up a crap ton of debt. Like you're being responsible with it. You might as well. Like, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, I think it's a really cool way to go. Um, how do you go about booking your hotels? Like, do you use Airbnb or do you have any other travel hacks that you like with specific to hotels? Yeah, um, I do a mix of stuff. So Airbnb, I, I like a lot. Uh, the reason why is you can usually get a better location for the amount of money you'd spend than you would with hotels. Like the the most central hotels tend to be a lot pricier. Um, I like to do a mix usually of Airbnb and then hotel points. Um, so, you know, uh, through, um, previous hotel stays, through credit mm-hmm. cards, through a number of different ways of racked up a bunch of hotel points that are used to try to, uh, book, you know, but only when there's really good value on it. So I don't like okay. to, um, I don't like to like spend, you know, 60,000 points for a single night or something. Um, yeah. yeah so. I'll usually do a mix of those two. Um, to be honest, it's, it's not, it, it, it's much less my area of expertise. Like I don't have really great, uh, ways of, um, like hacking hotel prices beyond just like shopping around, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, being willing to forgo the Ritz Carlton. Like I'm, I'm, I'm basically happy staying wherever, especially cause like most of the time when we're traveling, we're spending most of our time not in the hotel anyway. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. So I'm, I'm catching and I'm kind of curious if this is really the case. It seems like you are, I don't want to say a simple guy cause I don't mean it in that way by any means, but it seems like you're just a very intentional, you don't really need a crap ton of stuff to make you happy. Is that the case for your life? Yeah, I would say so. Um, just give me some, you know, some really tasty food, some good beer. I'm happy. <laughs> I don't need too much. <laughs> That's all you need, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I, yeah. I'm, like, I, I'd say I'm like not to get too much into self psychoanalyzing because I don't, I'm not exactly <laughs> objective in the, uh, in the matter, but like, I'd say like I'm a relatively simple guy who enjoys like seeing and seeing and experiencing new things. I think, I think I'm, I'm very similar in that way as well. I live in, I mean, it's, my house isn't tiny by any means. It's like 1600 square feet, which is great. It's perfect. I bought the house when I was 19. So I plan on being here for a long time, Yeah. but it's, it's one of those things where you have to make a decision, right? We all have a limited amount of income and you can choose, do you want to spend all of your money on car payments and house payments, or do you want to live a little lesser life and travel frequently. Like, so to me, that's the better upside, but of course I'm a little biased and you might be too. (laughs) For sure. And, and, you know, and that's different for every person. Mm -hmm. Like, like, and that's kind of one of the nice things about, uh, growing up, getting older is you still, you figure out more about yourself and what, what it is that, that you want that makes you happy because, you know, it's not like there's a right or wrong. Some people, Mm -hmm 
you know, live 24 seven on the road and they're, they're full-time travelers. And some people that sounds awful and they, you know, would ra- much rather, uh, uh, like have a big house and mm-hmm. stay there all the time. And most of us are somewhere between those two extremes. You know, we like some sort of mix between it. Um, yeah, yeah it's just nice kind of figuring it out. I'm totally with you. So we're going to start wrapping up because I know it's it's getting late for you and I, but this has been a crap ton of fun. So do you have any last minute advice or tips or philosophies you would like to impart on us? Oh, um, <laughs> don't be afraid of street food. Oh, it's re- it's really good. If you see a bunch of people eating there, don't be afraid that it's going to poison you. If a bunch of people are eating there, probably means it's not only healthy but really good for you. I love it. That is such such good advice. <laughs> we uh, learned that when we were in Puerto Rico at the Mofongo. I'm like, oh, this yes. is the best. Oh. It's my phone go, though. It was so great. So, Scott, where can people go to learn more about you, connect with you, uh, share that they love the episode, that kind of fun stuff? Yeah, just go to uh, scottscheapflights.com. No spaces, no hyphens, no apostrophes, just scottscheapflights.com. And then, uh, yeah, feel free to shoot me an email, scott at scottscheapflights.com. Cool. Thank you so much for spending some time with me tonight. That was, was a ton of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, Whitney. appreciate it. Okay, so what do you guys think? This was one of my favorite episodes because I loved his business model and more than anything, I love travel. So it was really fun to hear his perspective on how he was doing this while he was a political journalist at the same time. I thought that was pretty cool. The other thing that was really interesting to me was that fear that he experienced when he first was monetizing his website. So he sent out the email asking for $2 a month to pay for his email costs. And that was scary for him. I mean, it's, it's a big step. And so I think that's something we all experience at least sometimes in our lives. And so I thought that was really great to hear that this guy also went through the same things that you and I go through every single day. So I thought that was pretty sweet. Make sure that you check out his website, scottscheapflights.com. It is amazing. Seriously, the best purchase I've ever made. I'm not even kidding. I really think it's that incredible. It's just fun to see all the different cheap flights and get all the good deals before anybody else. And you get to see a lot of really cool places if you don't do the destination seeking. If you are just open to traveling anywhere and you find a good deal, you'll go on some pretty cool trips, I promise. That's it for today. If you've liked this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and even download some of the other episodes if this is your first one. I appreciate you being here, and I look forward to seeing you next week on another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye for now. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.